Welcome to episode 131 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo. Thank you for joining me. If this is your first time in joining us, welcome. I hope you stick around. And if you're a repeat listener, I'm super glad to have you back. You're going to enjoy this conversation. I love it when a chat I have with a guest resonates with something I'm experiencing personally, whether that's in my life or my business or both. And there's often uh, very little uh, boundary between the two. And this episode had lots of bells going off in my head. Continuing to expand on how I own the label of entrepreneur, making time for beauty and paying attention to the aesthetics of my surroundings, and how much putting the spotlight on others helps me to define my own spotlight. These are all points that I personally want to go deeper on, thanks to today's guest. Stay with me after the interview when I'll share a few of those deeper thoughts about finding your own voice, including my absolute favorite quote on the subject. And yes, I do see the irony of talking about finding your own voice and using someone else's to help explain that. I'll also be sharing who I'll be talking to in upcoming episodes. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to today's guest. Grace Bonney is the founder of Design Sponge, a daily website dedicated to the creative community. Design Sponge was founded in 2004 and currently reaches nearly 2 million readers per day. Grace has worked as a contributing editor at publications such as House and Garden, Domino, and Craft Magazine. She is passionate about supporting all members of the creative community. She runs an annual scholarship for up-and-coming designers, writes a free business column for creatives, and is the host of a weekly radio show, After the Jump. After 12 years in Brooklyn, Grace now lives in the Hudson Valley with her wife, Julia, and their three pets. You'll find information on how to connect with Grace, as well as links to her Introvert Island book selections in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Grace. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast. It's a delight to welcome you, and um, thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, what is making you smile today? (laughs) (laughs) I'm smiling this morning because I have a very happy and healthy dog next to me after having to rush her to the emergency vet last night. So oh, no. I, I missed the very first debate and to find out that basically she had an upset tummy. So we oh. were up all, all last night. So I'm just happy that she's safe and sound and totally zonked out on my knee right now. Oh, beautiful. Yes. I have my dog actually snoozing right next to me. And so I'm looking at her as you're talking. And I'm, <laughs> I'm remembering our own trip to the emergency and I know what that feels like. So I'm so glad that it she's... All- it always happens. Anytime she wants to get sick, it always happens like at nine o'clock exactly. at night. When it's like, oh, couldn't it be in the middle of the day when the vet that's like two minutes away from us is open? <laughs> but I'm just happy she's okay. Exactly. That's what's most important at the end of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> glad she's well. Well, to give our listeners some context as we jump into our conversation, um, share with us a little bit about where you feel like you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum, and how has that awareness influenced you um, in your in your career and as an entrepreneur? Sure. I would say that over the last two or three years, I have gradually moved from the far end of the extremely introverted spectrum to the middle of the spectrum, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was a highly introverted child and young adult. And, but I think there's something about kind of, I really sort of switched what I talk about at my website, Design Sponge, to be 
much more about the stories of the people behind the design that I typically write about. And mm-hmm. in that transition, I've felt more comfortable to sort of sort of own my voice and speak up a little bit more. And I've sort of made social justice causes a bigger part of what I do at Design Sponge. And that transition, and I think, frankly, just changing from being in my 20s to being in my 30s makes mm-hmm. me feel a little bit more comfortable being... I wouldn't call it extroverted, though. I would just I would just say kind of owning and using my voice. And I think I'm still someone who inherently has to kind of regroup after being in like large social situations. And yeah. I enjoy it and and love it. But I, I do find it more draining than invigorating. Um, but I'm, I'm so thankful for that. It's always so hard to talk about that feeling of mm-hmm. feeling a little bit drained by being in a situation that is sort of large and very social because I love those moments and I'm so thankful for them. But I know that at the end of the day, I kind of need to come home and be silent for a few hours yes. by myself. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really informed the way that I've planned the book tour I'm about to go on because mm-hmm. typically you get signed up to do a million different events in every city, which is a wonderful opportunity. But those tend to really drain me and I really wanted to be very present for the main events. So I really scaled back on how much I'm traveling and how much I'm doing to kind of just embrace that I know this is the way that my brain and my body works and that I need that kind of quiet me time. So Mm -hmm. I'm really embracing that with the book tour and I'm really excited about that change. Yeah, good for you for um, honoring that, um, because I'm guessing there are some external forces that you might have had to um, say, hold on, you know, (laughs) Um, yes, we can cram it full. And I want to I love that you said, you know, you want to be fully present for those main events. Um, Seems that's important. It's difficult. When you're, I feel like if you're an introvert, I mean, you understand how important those sort of regrouping and, and rebuilding moments are. And I feel like it's, it's this constant struggle between wanting to be be everything to everyone as much as I can, especially on a bookstore when people are so kind and supportive and they want you to come to every event that's happening and mm-hmm. I want to be there. But I also, for the people who are there for the main event, I want to be present and I want to have 100% of myself there. And I know that in order to do that, I really have to scale back on everything else that's outside of that. Yeah, that's a that's a real gift you're giving to those folks that are showing up. So thank you on behalf of all of them. <laughs> well, and and you said something I think is very interesting that I don't know that I've um, heard put quite this way. But you know, we introverts often have this tendency to want to shine the the spotlight on others. You know, to to kind mm-hmm. of tell their stories. And if I heard you right, it sounded like. By doing that, especially maybe in the beginning stages of of building your business and your audience, by shining that light on others, it has started to help you be more comfortable with shining the light on yourself. It is. It's it's sort of a, this interesting joint sort of moment that's happening right now in my life where I feel so much more interested in other people's voices and mm-hmm. and not just kind of talking about other people in their lives, but to truly give them a platform to tell their own story in their own voice. Like that feels very important to me right now. And mm-hmm. But I also feel like I'm finally getting to talk about so many of the things that I really am very passionate about. And I'm happy that I built a career based on design and art and these things that I really love. But my interests have changed over the past 12 years and that kind of slow evolution to sort of being more interested in people and business and all of the inner workings that are behind the design mm-hmm. business. That's kind of come with this greater comfort and just speaking up about what I really care about. And I am, I feel so strongly and have a lot of opinions about, <laughs> um, you know, life and business and how those things intersect. So it, it feels more comfortable to speak up and be a bit more extroverted in that situation. Yeah. Well, 
to, before you founded De- Design Sponge, you must have done something else, <laughs> right? <Yeah. There's> a, <laughs> and I'm not wording that very well, but <laughs> before you, what did you, what did you do before you founded Design Sponge? And then what inspired you to start that business? Well, I honestly didn't do very much, actually. I started Design Sponge when I was six months out of college. Mm, so mm-hmm. I almost went straight in, never thinking Design Sponge would ever be a job. Um, I was working, I worked for a record label briefly because I had been really into college radio um, and, when I was in school. And then I didn't enjoy that. So I switched pretty quickly into a design-related job, which was at a very, very tiny PR firm in Brooklyn where I was living. And I enjoyed that job, but really kind of wanted to talk about the design I was seeing around me in Brooklyn. And I was living um, on the border of Greenpoint and Williamsburg, which at the time was just this epicenter of incredible and exciting design. And so during my lunch breaks, I started Design Sponge as a way to kind of talk about those cool garage shows that I was seeing and what I thought was interesting that no one else was talking about. And that I think was just kind of in the right place at the right time with the right content. Mm -hmm. And it started taking off in a way that I I really couldn't have anticipated. I mean, now I think people coming out of college know that the internet in general is a career opportunity if you work hard, but that wasn't something I ever thought was possible. So I didn't have any grand plans. I just thought Mm -hmm. maybe this will act as a digital portfolio and help me get a job in a print magazine one day. And it did, but then all the magazines started closing. And I think it wasn't until that happened that I realized this blog could possibly be the thing that was the more full-time job. Yeah. You sound like it's, um, I've also heard the the phrase accidental entrepreneur, (laughs) where, (laughs) you know, it wasn't necessarily the intention when, you know, something is set up, but then you you find a, a groove or you find that you're, like you said, right place, right time, right message. And it takes off. Yeah, and I think it's it, that that particular you know world of blogging and online accidental entrepreneurship. I think that that really favors introverts because mm-hmm. I was an only child and I'm I'm sort of used to doing the majority of the work on my own, and so that's something that felt very comfortable and kind of being on the early stages of this movement of people turning blogs into careers and much bigger companies, that was something that just felt like a challenge that I was up for and a challenge that didn't really require a huge team around me at the time. So it it really kind of just felt like falling into this groove that felt very comfortable. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue to my next question. And and it's funny because I I shared with a friend this morning that I was uh, chatting with you and um, I can't repeat exactly what she said, but she she was so excited. She's, you know, she, oh. she, she was like, you know, you, you've got to be kidding me. Um, because she's been following you for the past 10 years. And um, oh, that's so nice. yeah, I was just like, uh, really thrilled that she had that response. And, and you have you've, you, you have a beautiful site for one thing, and you have beautiful content, and you've built up this impressive and really engaged community over the years, um, starting even before social media was a thing. I think, it, am I right that it was like 2004? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there was no, I think, was Twitter around? I think Twitter might have been around. Mm, it might have been. Maybe been I didn't seat. really get into it. Yeah, I think I maybe didn't get into Twitter like right away, but that mm-hmm. was my first foray into social, which was so different then. Than it is now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very different. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've talked a little bit about this, but, you know, how, how do you feel like your introversion played a role in how you built that community and, and put yourself out there? 
I I don't think I would have built that community on social if I wasn't such a huge introvert. Because for me, social media is like the most powerful tool for shy introverted people. And I actually don't think I'm shy, but I, I do I do think I used to be quite shy. And I think that having social be this way to communicate, I mean, very informally, very quickly, and even very personally at times, um, with people all over the world, it's it makes communication easier, but it also kind of makes it on your own terms. You don't mm-hmm. have to sort of meet somebody face to face. You don't have to even put up a picture of your face if you don't want to. It can all be sort of text based. And that to me makes me feel more in control and more comfortable. And I think that yeah. this sort of new generation that's coming up now with like Snapchat and Instagram stories and Vine, and they're so comfortable turning the camera around on themselves. And mm-hmm. I, I so admire that comfort level because I just don't have that. And I, and maybe that's just kind of the last, you know, vestiges of being an extreme introvert. But I feel like that's just something I, I really, really struggle with. So I've always loved Instagram and Twitter and Facebook for being these places where I can talk frequently and openly without having to put all of myself out there. Yeah, that's a great point that there is that shift where, I mean, literally, we can turn the camera towards ourselves <laughs> with the, you know, just a little tap. And, yeah. um, and you have so much, you know, you have built this on the idea of turning that camera towards others. And, and that has got to be, you know, at least the way I see it is probably a huge factor in, in what you've been able to create. It really is. If you had told me that I, I would have to like have a YouTube show and be on mm-hmm. Snapchat and all these things that just don't feel comfortable to me, if you had told me that would be a huge part of my brand's like need to grow, I don't I don't know that I would have done what I've done at this point. I think I would have been very hesitant because it's just something that I I don't feel is a huge part of my brand. I feel like my voice is a big part of it, but I don't think my face needs to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. I totally understand why particular like you know beauty bloggers and fashion bloggers and all of the kind of outfit of the day crowds like I I totally get why that's why your personality is a big part of that but for me I've always been able I've really enjoyed just being able to kind of point the mic in the other direction yeah well even who you choose to talk to what you choose to feature who you bring into that circle it it strikes me that it's it's not so much um, about putting your voice front and center as it is putting your presence Mm-hmm. And to me, that feels like a difference. And it seems like it would be a little bit easier for an introvert to to say, you know, I'm I'm putting what I believe in um, and letting my who I choose to bring into my circles reflect that. And therefore, yeah, you're kind of amplifying your presence through other people. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, so. So again, I, we didn't plan this, but that's a great segue to talking about your book. <laughs> you know, your book, which is sort of the manifestation, it seems to me, of that. Um, it's called "In the Company of Women," and tell us a little bit about the the genesis of that and what your intention is, and and then what you learned from the process of writing that book. Sure. So. In the Company of Women was inspired, like so many projects at Design Sponge, by what I wasn't seeing in the market. I'm, I'm somebody who really kind of thrives on looking for problems that I feel like I might be able to contribute a, a partial solution to or just things that I think are missing. And I love and devour business books because they kind of speak to what I find to be the most interesting part of working online these days. And most business books are either written by and for and about men mm-hmm. or are written about a very specific type of woman, which is sort of a thin, young, white <laughs> woman um, who's typically straight as well. And, and all of those mm-hmm. those stories are important, and I'm glad they're a part of the business narrative. But 
they don't reflect the business owners that I see on a regular basis. And I kept asking myself, like, where are the women of color? Where are the women from the LGBTQ community? Where mm-hmm. are the differently abled women? Where are women over 40? Like, are there all <laughs> yes. these people that just that aren't being reflected that I know, you know, personally are a huge part of my community. And yeah. I did my best to kind of start making sure that we were showing those stories and, and pictures and just making visibility a bigger part of our business column at Design Sponge. But I really wanted there to be a book that documented that. I wanted it to be this almost like a yearbook of just incredible people that you could look at and turn to for advice. And there's something different about having something in print than versus sort of the impermanence of having it on the internet. So Mm -hmm. I I pitched it to my publisher because I was supposed to write a do-it-yourself book that I had a contract for Mm -hmm. and pitched this very last minute change. And thankfully they were really into it and I had two months to write it. So it became this incredible sort of wild summer adventure um, with uh, Kelly, who's our team manager at Design Fund, and Sasha Israel, who's the photographer that we worked with. And we all hopped on many, many planes to go interview the vast majority of these women in person and take their portraits in their studios and then came home to kind of thoughtfully lay it out so that the flow kind of felt like you've got this wide range of stories and people and backgrounds. And I wanted any woman opening the book at any age to be able to see herself reflected in some tiny aspect of one of these women, whether it's um, their background, their religion, their, you know, maybe having three or four different jobs at the same time in order to launch their business. I just wanted there to be all of these entry points into this sort of way of living. And I really feel like the final product did that. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. And I'm so glad your publisher came on board with that that oh, idea. Me too. I'm very lucky. <laughs> yeah. And in all of those travels and in all of the stories that you heard, was there anything in particular that stood out to you as either a theme or, um, you know, a particularly profound takeaway? Absolutely. There, there are several that I kind of go back to over and over again, but lately it's been a pull quote from Liz Lambert, who is uh, in hospitality and runs a a wonderful group of hotels in Austin, Texas, like um, the San Jose and El Cosmico. And she talked about how women in particular are often so sort of incorrectly focused on trying to make a perfect first impression. And that in her experience, it's never about the first impression that's lasting. It's always the way you make up for things when they don't go right. And that felt so profound to me because I think I've sort of suffered under the mis conception that I'd have to get everything right the first time and knowing full well I rarely ever do that but <laughs> that's kind of all all I ever aim for because I'm terrified of having to kind of face somebody and admit that something didn't go well or they didn't get the experience I would have wanted them to get working yeah. with us and just generally being afraid to apologize and admit something didn't go well and seeing someone just fully admit hey Mistakes are a part of the process. They're a daily part of the process. and But that's a great opportunity to show people who you are and what your company is all about. And it really kind of turned a switch in my brain. And I thought, oh, okay, rather than being terrified of ever making mistakes, let's instead look at those mistakes, which are bound to happen on a regular basis as opportunities to just sort of drive home again what we are about and what is important to us. And that little mind shift has just been so powerful. And I instantly kind of just took a deep breath and was like, oh, okay, great. So all these times when maybe we didn't answer an email or a comment in a way I would have wanted us to, it's a chance for us to talk to somebody one-on-one, 
to sort of explain, you know, what went wrong and, and own it and listen to somebody else's point of view. And even if it's upset and angry and difficult to hear. And in those moments, I feel like people really get to meet us and what we care about. So that that was a huge takeaway for me. That is, that's uh, amazing. I mean, I'm, get, I'm sort of getting little chills as I'm listening to you talk about this because it's it, you're, it's giving us permission to be real, basically, you know, mm-hmm. to be who we are. Because I, I I sort of wish we could just ban the word perfect from our vocabulary. Because no. there's no such, you know, there's really no such thing. Um, it seems, and, and perhaps um, my experience has been that it's authenticity and vulnerability mm-hmm. and transparency um, has been one of the greatest ways of connecting with people. And, mm-hmm. and of course, it all has to be authentic. You can't just be, you know, fake vulnerable, which I suppose some people could be. But it's, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's that being real and taking that risk. And it sounds Absolutely. like that's, that's the space that you are in as well. well. I think everyone likes to talk about the importance of, of taking risk and how important it is for a business. But we're never taught how to deal with when things don't work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the word risk inherently implies that it's not always going to work <laughs> exactly. out. Exactly. And so we're, we're taught to take these leaps, but then expect us to nail the landing every single time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's ridiculous. But I find women in particular are really held and we hold ourselves to this standard of like, we can never let anybody down. And yeah. then it gets particularly messy when you're dealing with like the concept, which is totally impossible of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And the idea that like we are either going to be letting down the people who help us pay our bills or letting down our family. And yeah. that's just, there's no winning in that situation. So right. if we're spending less time worrying about being perfect and more time worrying about just making sure that we feel like we're giving ourselves a break and understanding that every business, even the most successful ones, all make mistakes and feel a little out of balance at times. Mm-hmm. I think we can all just, you know, free up a little bit more mind space to focus on things that we really enjoy. Yeah. That makes me want to take a deep breath, which I just did. <laughs> A deep breath and like, you know, maybe a long walk and a nice nap. <laughs> exactly. And a snuggle with the dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when you think back, you, you've, um, you know, designed Sponge, um, let's see, 12 years old, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you wish that someone had told you 12 years ago um, that you think would be, would have either made a difference or benefited <laughs> you in some way? Um. <laughs> Honestly, I wish someone had said it, it never gets easier. Mm-hmm. I, I think I thought that the, the longer I worked and the more time I put into it and the more I like checked things off my list of stuff I'd like to do, I thought I would get to this place where everything stood still and mm-hmm. that you could kind of just lean back and enjoy it a little <laughs> bit. But that never happens. Mm-hmm. And if it does, it's not a good thing because it means you're not growing and not changing. And and life is inherently about change. And especially mm-hmm. when you work on the internet, if you're not changing, you're slowly dying. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things that it's just, I, I thought I, that, you know, 12 years in, I'd be kicking back and this would all make a lot more sense and it would be easy. <laughs> and, and it's just not, it only gets harder, but there's so much to learn in that complexity and the things that are hard they're they're still difficult, but you bring more and more experience. And I wish someone had said like, hey, it's never going to get easier, but getting through these challenges will become less terrifying and you will learn so much from them and you will be grateful for those opportunities to learn something about yourself or what's important to you or to the mm-hmm. people that you work with and that those challenges will just become more rewarding. Yeah. And I, I think that would have been really powerful. But who knows, if I was 25 and someone told me that, maybe I would have just given up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
exactly. I, I wish I wish I understood the wisdom of that now. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you are embodying that. And, and you're right, you know, you, you remind us that um, when the it's there's that expression, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes we're not ready to hear something like that. And it would, ca- yeah. you know, it might cause us to kind of implode. <laughs> or it might, you know, we might just be like, oh, whatever, you don't know what you're talking about and spur us on. Yeah. Uh, but, but um, you know, to appreciate, because sometimes he, what I hear in that is, um, you know, no regrets. And, you know, we can sometimes have regrets and say, oh, I wish I'd known now what I knew then, mm-hmm. or no, knew then what I know now. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's, everything happens when it's supposed to. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. So um, I thank you so much. Um, I've so appreciated oh, this you. conversation, and um, I feel like we could we could keep going. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, I want to respect your time, so I want to wrap up with a question that I ask all of my guests at the end of the podcast, and that's if you've been granted a three week vacation on Introvert Island, and we'll we'll oh, you, yes, you, you, I know you're probably going to need it before or a, I think after your book tour, <laughs> and you can only take three books with you what would you take with you and why the first one would be uh my wife's new cookbook which is called small victories Mm -hmm. mainly just so i can look at all of the pictures of what she calls happy wife cake which is (laughs) this chocolate cake with raspberry jam that used to be my favorite thing in the whole world and it's kind of named after me and but at, at the beginning of this year and after her book was was done I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes so now Mm. eating like chocolate cake is just not something that I do anymore so I kind of would just love to stare at those pictures (laughs) so that would be number one um number two would be um Nikki Giovanni is my favorite poet of all time and she's Mm -hmm. in my book which was such a huge thrill and I would take her book um the selected poems of Nikki Giovanni Mm -hmm. because I've turn to those poems at so many points of my life and they just bring such great inspiration, but also comfort in so many different ways. Um, And last would be any piece of writing or book by Pema Chodron. She has Uh, been such a huge, weirdly business inspiration to me, even Mm -hmm. though that's not really what she talks about. I just find um, the way she looks at the world and sort of inherent like Buddhist philosophy as just very helpful for understanding what it's like to live and work online because that constant change and constant up and down is difficult for someone like me to embrace and her writing has really helped me do that. So I would drag all of those onto mm-hmm. Introvert Island with me. That's fantastic. And I don't know that you said your wife's name so that we can hook that up to the cookbook. What is her name? Oh, yes. Her name is Julia Tertian. Julia Tertian. Perfect. Well, we will include um, links to Julia's book as well as Pema and the middle one. Um, Nikki, thank you. We will include links to all of those on the website in the um, program show notes so that other people can take a look at those as well. So um, so thank you. Um, Thank you. How can people get in touch with you and learn about Design Sponge and especially, as most excitingly, um, in the company of women? Sure. So the easiest way is just designsponge.com. Everything lives there and all of our contact information is there and all of the information about in the company of women and our upcoming book tour is just designsponge.com slash book very original url <laughs> you know it doesn't need to be clever does it <laughs> it just needs to get in the, the job company done of women is long that's just too much to type into a url so I just book. <laughs> excellent i love it great and when does it come out it is out on october 4th 
great. And included on that site are, um, I saw city date tours um, where people can connect with you if you happen to be coming to their town. I know you're coming to Seattle in uh, mid-October, so um, perhaps I'll be able to get up and we can meet in person. So (laughs) That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. So um, best wishes um, with every success with the book and congratulations on all all of the success you've had so far. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Grace. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What Grace said about finding her own voice through talking to others really resonated with me. We introverts tend to be thinkers, and we keep our thoughts internally, often having such rich conversations with ourselves, we forget that we haven't said things out loud. And I've found that, um, especially through the podcast and interviewing other people, it's helped me to find my voice. You know, because by interviewing others and putting the spotlight on them, we're gathering information and giving ourselves something to react to. That's not the usual introvert uh, modus operandi. Usually we are internally focused and that's where we are getting the bulk of our information. But in terms of finding our own voice, we do that in the context of other people. And as we listen and we process what other people are sharing with us, we can discern more clearly where we stand on things and what we think about them. So I might be thinking a particular, um, you know, taking a particular position on something. And it's only when I put that position out there or consider it in the context of others that I get even more clarity of where I stand, what's most important to me, what I value, um, and how, you know, kind of what differentiates me from my fellow human beings. And we often talk about this in business because there are so many people talking about very similar topics, whether that's leadership or entrepreneurship or even introversion. And in order to find your way and find your community, it's important that you do sit with your own thoughts long enough to develop your own voice. The important part about finding your own voice is being able to take in that external information and internalize it in a very introverted way and to transfer that information to our own experiences and to be able to put our own spin on it, to put our own words to it. One thing I've noticed over the years, especially with social media driving so much of the conversation and so many people gaining traction because they have that high level of visibility on social media, that it's easy to read the various authors and thought leaders and media personalities and simply regurgitate what we hear. I noticed this a few months ago. I was being interviewed for a podcast And within the course of maybe 10 minutes, I cited the work of maybe three or four people like Brene Brown or Dan Pink, um, you know, folks like that, whose work I greatly admire and draw a lot of inspiration from. But what I noticed is that I was just sort of repeating what they had said without necessarily sharing why it was important to me and what was my further take on what they had to say. So there was no interpretation or development of those ideas. It was simply, again, that regurgitation. So it's it's not just enough to listen to that favorite author or that media personality and take in what they say about a topic and then regurgitate it. It's, you know, they're, they're saying fabulous things and they have 
those thoughts, they have those things to share because they themselves have sat with them long enough to have their own thoughts on them. And that's what I'm inviting all of us to do, to sit with what you hear and go deeper. Consider, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Just because a certain person said whatever it is doesn't mean that you have to agree with all of it. And I'm guessing, you know, most of you know this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't instinctively know. But sometimes we can kind of lapse into a little bit of just taking it in and spitting it back out without really being discerning. It's an invitation to think about what's your personal experience with what that person is talking about. How did that experience shape you? What's the personal lesson that you took away from that experience that only you could have? Instead of just amplifying someone else's message, you can use their wisdom as a catalyst to refine your own message, to apply your own critical thinking to what they say. And as always, take what works and leave what doesn't. You won't find your own voice if you're simply serving as a megaphone for others. You will find that unique voice that's only yours if you choose to take what resonates with you and put it through your own filters. And here's the ironic part (laughs) where I share um, a quote from someone else, (laughs) someone else's voice that actually got me thinking about my own voice. And I share this every possibility I get because it it helped me to think about the topic in a really fresh way. And I find that it um, seems to resonate with any audience that I share it with. It's from William Duresowitz, who is an essayist and critic and This was a speech that he gave at West Point several years ago called Solitude and Leadership. And I highly recommend reading the entire speech. It's full of very thought-provoking statements. And when you consider the context in which he is delivering the speech, it becomes even more remarkable. And I will absolutely include a link to that in the show notes. But here's the paragraph that got me thinking. He said, my first thought is always someone else's. It's always what I've already heard about the subject, always the conventional wisdom. It's only by concentrating, sticking to the question, being patient, letting all of the parts of my mind come into play that I arrive at an original idea. By giving my brain a chance to make associations, draw connections, take me by surprise. And often, even that idea doesn't turn out to be very good. I need time to think about it, too, to make mistakes and recognize them, to make false starts and correct them, to outlast my impulses, to defeat my desire to declare the job done and move on to the next thing. That is what I wish for all of us, to stick with the questions, to stay with what we hear long enough to come to our own conclusions. I've often heard that there's nothing new under the sun, And there's definitely truth to that. And there are always new ways of putting together existing material that only come to life if we are patient and thoughtful. The best example I can think of this is music. Every musician has the same 12 notes to work with, plus I suppose the microtones and overtones and everything, you know, in between. But fundamentally, they have the same 12 notes to manipulate. And yet through lots of risk and experimentation and creativity and patience, 
each of those musicians comes up with a combination of those 12 notes that no one else has created. No one else has conceived of them. And you can make the same extraordinary and fresh connections by staying committed to self-reflection and making space for critical thinking. Before we say goodbye, I have to share that I am really energized by the three focus group discussions I've had over the past couple weeks. More than a dozen people decided to show up and give generously of their time and expertise, and I came away with lots of valuable feedback about programs that I'm offering through the Introvert Entrepreneur. Specifically, I am grateful to Ferris, Paul, Tim, Lisa, Kate, Derek, Dave, Emily, Patricia, Lynn, Steve, Jan, Yerlene, and Anne for all showing up and providing insightful, thoughtful questions, ideas, and suggestions. If you weren't able to join us but still want to provide feedback about what you'd like to see coming from The Introvert Entrepreneur, you're always welcome to drop me an email at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. I have more gratitude to share with Lucy, who just left a review of the podcast on iTunes, sharing that she always gets tremendous value out of the podcast. Thank you so much, Lucy. Your comment made me smile and made my day. And if you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to share it with your friends, colleagues, and family, and to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on whichever platform you access it from. Your review helps others to discover the podcast, and so I am uh, thankful for your consideration. To continue the gratitude, a very special thank you to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes, and especially to you for spending this time with me. Upcoming episodes that you can be listening for include conversations with Kwame Christian of the American Negotiation Institute, Kat Rose, founder of The Creative Introvert, and Steve Farber, author of The Radical Leap. I hope you'll join us. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>